0: The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax and enjoy. Two dudes 1 double feature.
1: Uh, Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and
0: that is about it. I am Dude One, Logo. (laughs) And I'm Dude Two, Sideburns. I feel the need, the need, to watch some movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was dumb, <laughs> but in a fun dumb way. I, I had fun. That's all that I, I can't me. speak for. Um, uh, you know, can't speak for everyone else. But
1: <laughs> eh, yeah, it's 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 for us, you know, I guess. You
0: know, for for sometimes I feel like we are just our own target demo. Honestly, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I can work with that, I guess. M- okay, at least
1: I know someone's listening. Yeah, yeah, myself,
0: <laughs> and then me.
1: Oh, two! We at least have two.
0: We... We happy few. We band of brothers! Oh. I say that
1: for you. (laughs) I don't know what happens. I don't know the line after. I just know band of brothers.
0: (laughs) I know, um... St. Crispin's Day! (laughs) I know, um... I don't, no, I don't know anything, man. <laughs> but I, I, I got to say the the Patrick Doyle score that plays when, when Kenneth Branagh is giving that uh, St. Crispin's Day speech slaps. Great piece of music.
1: Nice. Um. Anyway, so welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, before we get it, before we get into our episode this week, which is a a part two, if you will. So if you want to listen to part one, listen to last week's episode all about Tron and Top Gun. Um. But before, again, we get into that, sideburns. How you doing?
0: Tired. <laughs> Fair. Uh, you know, I've got things, uh, things are uh, ramping up again, just as far as uh, work and other things. Not in a bad way, it's just, just is. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, I do... <sighs> i don't know how much i want to divulge of this I, I i do have a secret project that like you and a few other people are aware of but we're not we're not <laughs> there yet
1: not we're not there yet but you are i guess this could be like a, like just saying that could be like a little tease yeah yeah you know, just like hey you know we're uh joey's got something like a like a side gig going on that he's excited about and uh um, I think we are, we are going to do like a cinematic universe sort of thing and like kind of launch it off of this. So that'd be kind of a, you know, look out for that episode whenever that shows up. It's probably what next year or later this year. I don't remember i'd I, planning for I, this.
0: You know, it, 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 it depends. I still got to straighten out a, a few things. I know we talked to, um, or at least you, you talked to, um, John on, on my behalf.
1: Yes. I, I, I was like, Joey, did you want me to talk to John? And you're like. Or no, I asked you, and then I wasn't sure if you wanted me to, and then you asked me if I did, and I was like, "No, I didn't know if you wanted me to." <laughs> and he's like, "Go ahead."
0: See, see, John's a great, a great dude, but but Richard, Richard is definitely closer to John, so it, I just feel weird. what of like, hey, John, can you do this for me?
1: <laughs> I I just I guess I'm just I'm used to it at this point. But you know what? It was he did say we've never put him out before, which is very. It's very reassuring that we haven't, because there's there's definitely times I'll be like, I don't want to ask because I don't want to feel like I, all I do is ask him to do things for the show or, like, anything else, because, like, sometimes I just want to talk to him, um, but, yeah, there's, de- there's definitely been times, but thankfully he has said that, you know, we've never actually put him out, so, That's good. Uh, yeah, I do love John, and I love Kenny as well, they're both, they're both the best, so...
0: Um, trying to think, what else I've I, I've done. Uh, we talked about Pinocchio. Yeah, on on the show, it's it's weird that did we, we?
1: wait Did we talk about Pinocchio? Because I thought I, I didn't finish watching it when we recorded.
0: Well, we'll talk about. It. I mean, I, I just thought it was bad. Um, it's it's poopy. It's yeah, it's not great. Um, no, it's it, it it's like. It, it stings because there are a very like few crumbs in it where I'm like, I could see it as existing in a better movie, or mm-hmm. it seems like some of these people were having a good time. Like I really enjoyed um, Keegan Michael Key as is, uh, it's, John.
1: It's hard not to enjoy Keegan Michael Key. On that note, he's always it's, he's always bringing something to the table.
0: This is true. Um, I just felt like he it, like I was listening to somebody's review. Alonzo Duraldi on Breakfast All Day was talking about how he, like, he sort of brings, like, an old. Like, a lot of the old school Disney movies do have, like, somewhat notable celebrities for their time doing Mm -hmm. a lot of the vocal work. So, like, he does sort of bring that energy to it. Um, Also, Luke Evans, who I feel like, you know, (laughs) is, like, an actor who's just this close to getting to our Hall of Fame just because.
1: (laughs) It's. Luke Evans is sort of like. Daniel Craig in many respects, at least for
0: Joey, because I know you were like, uh, and I then, think part of that was because I saw Dracula Untold. Yeah. And, um, I was probably too harsh on him. Uh, you know, but in Beauty and the Beast, the remake, which is not a great movie, but I think he's very good in that movie. And, you know, he's been good in other things I've, I've seen him in. Um, you know, I thought there was there was one scene, I hated the Fate of the Furious or whatever it was, uh, but there was a fun scene with him I think it was him and Jason Statham rescuing a baby out of a plane.
1: Yeah, that was fun. I do remember that. that in my in my
0: whole excursion through that franchise um, uh video on YouTube, by the way. And yeah, a great video. Thank and you. I loved I, I loved him in this movie. Uh he plays the coachman and he's not <laughs> scary by any stretch of the imagination, but he's clearly having fun. Oh yeah. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, alright. But, you know what? You know what's weird to say? I think Tom Hanks should have played, like, both Stromboli and The Coachman. I think he, <laughs> he should have just done fun. both because I liked, I honestly, I think I've, like, other than Woody, I think I prefer Tom Hanks as a villain. Really? I think, um, I think there's something about Tom Hanks where it, it, it's just like, I, I don't know, because when you watch him in Elvis, I I think it, <laughs> it, it's, 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 uh, People have their opinions, but I think it's at least memorable and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it just feels because he plays Geppetto in this, so he's supposed to be a nice, kind old man. He
1: doesn't. He doesn't
0: really have much to
1: do. It feels like it's just. It feels like a sil- like maybe not even a sillier, just like a like a different version of the same scene from Castaway, also by Robert Zemeckis, where he's looking for Will Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> it's just—it's just so silly to watch it. And he's carrying the fishbowl and the cat, and he's like Pinocchio. Pinocchio. There was one scene. I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but like, there's a scene where he like says a line when um Pinocchio's like skiing across water to get to him mm-hmm. after he's literally explains the entire movie to, to Tom Hanks. Like there's something he said before that cuz that's supposed to be funny that just killed me. I forget what the line was, but I'm probably not going to watch it again to find out what it is. It just I was just I was like the delivery on that line was very funny to me.
0: Right. Whatever. Um, it was. Yeah. Other than that, I was uh, I rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a great movie. I was going to do a uh, Indiana Jones marathon, but um I got caught up in the Steelers game in which a number of our players got injured. We escaped with the win, but at what cost? I do My I hate playing. The... I I hate playing the. I hate when the Steelers play the Bengals, man. It's never fun. Yeah, you
1: know. I I live I live three hours away from from where the Bengals are. With that, I don't know if that says anything at all. I'm just. It's just an interesting factoid. Uh, <laughs> I know my dad was was excited because he was watching the Browns game. I don't know what his reaction was to the to because they won right the Browns yum yeah. yeah so I don't know what his his excitement though there was one point um, I was sitting in my room uh, I think I was watching a movie and uh, he comes in and it sort of it sort of hurt a little bit but like he came into my room and asked if I was talking to you and I'm like no I'm watching a movie and he just goes okay and then he dips I'm like what the fuck <laughs> why does he only come and talk to me when he's, i'm talking to joey it's because it's because you're a football fan and he probably wanted to be like the browns won la 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 i don't know what the <laughs> fuck i don't fucking care about football i'm sorry but <laughs> <laughs> but i was just like what the hell man
0: yeah i also rewatched. uh was it wrath of khan um yes by the way yes and um, you know, I didn't watch it on my 4K yet because I was, I was having dinner and I watched it upstairs. And the Blu-ray looks really good. Um, I really had a... Uh, I had a great time re-watching that wonderful movie. I love Ricardo Montalban so much. He, uh, he, I was going to... He chews yeah. that.
1: He, he like, plays with that dialogue. You know what I mean?
0: And he, and he wears that costume well. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Um, other than that, how are you, Richard?
1: Um... Minus the the football thing, I'm not bad. I
0: almost thought you were going to say, outside of Pinocchio, I'm not bad.
1: (laughs) No, Pinocchio is is bad, but, you know, I expected it to be, in all honesty. Like, I think I've said it before on the show, because we talked about um, Pinocchio when it was initially, like, we were talking about, like, live-action Disney remakes and, like, a pre-thing or something, and I think the whole point was that there's just no way that a live action version of this disney movie is going to work and it it didn't so i'm like yeah that's what i expected (laughs) so but uh i also speaking of of bad movies um i did watch another movie recently uh that uh took the world by storm (laughs) Uh, ironically speaking but you know sony didn't take it like that uh, <laughs> but uh that movie is of course the the much the the, muched, the the much uh talked about film Morbius. It made 2 more billion dollars. <sighs> it's a lot of more billions. Mhm. It's it's, it's, a, it's some heavy it's some heavy uh scratch there. More billion. I'm pretty sure that's higher than uh, a trillion uh more billion. <laughs>
0: Pro- probably probably. So so you saw it? Mm. What what were what were your thoughts? Eh. <laughs> it's
1: it's one of those movies that clearly they were they were just making because you know? Like it like people talk about I remember like hearing like Patrick Willems and David chan and their like talk and like a few other people saying like, you know, this Morbius is a character nobody cares about and I'm like, no one gave a shit about Guardians of the Galaxy, but it worked. Yeah. You know, no one gave it like it doesn't like the point is like Morbius could have worked as a movie if they actually I think did it right cuz that was my whole thought process going through the movie is that I have a soft spot for vampire movies. I've the, la- the like I've just been craving like this like like a really fun violent R-rated colorful like maybe even a murder mystery type thing cuz they kind of delve into that a little bit in Morbius. Um, type of vampire movie that maybe even harkens back to like the sort of gothic style that vampires are really like thriving in. And I just don't feel like that happens anymore because like I feel like most vampire movies work if it's like high art. you know like it's very rare that like vampires can really like lower not not lower that's I don't think that's the right term, but like really just go silly like have like the same energy as like a malignant. I would love a I would love a vampire movie like that and Morbius could have been that. And there was some there was even some like color choices and and some things in here that I was like, "Okay, this is pretty cool. Matt Smith is having a great time. You know, he's the Luke Evans of Morbius." <laughs> um but no, it's just it was it's it's just one of those movies that the studio wanted to make and the studio had final call on and you watch it and it's like So much plot happens at once and then it slows down for like two seconds and so much more plot happens at once. CGI fight, CGI chase scene, CGI this. And it's like, (sighs) it's, it's, it's not like it's, I don't think it's like an offensive movie. It's not good. It's not even like, it's not even so bad. It's good. It's just, it just exists
0: and it's boring and you know what I was disappointed to hear that because like I feel like a lot of the appeal for Ven- the first venom I didn't well, like the first i like the s- second one a lot yeah. more but the first one I feel like it was kind of like a so bad it's like or like it's so tom Hardy's so committed to this ridiculous premise yeah that it works um like that lobster scene it's, it's in it's it, in the first venom so weird but I love it it's amazing an amazing sequence um and i would honestly like i'm gonna uh, like i looked at some of the trailers i'm like n- i didn't love all of it but i'm like i liked the design like yeah i thought the yeah. face looked rad i'm like i you can't ask for anything better than that honestly no. and, and if you're expecting anything better than that then you're a snob but in any case like it, it was one of those things where i was like i wanted i i didn't I haven't seen it yet and i you know We'll see what happens if I see it, but it, it really disappointed me that it wasn't one of those where it was, like, an entertaining kind of bad. Um, I've heard Matt Smith just dis- dancing is fun, but... Like,
1: when Matt Smith actually becomes, like, spoiler, he becomes a vampire, I'm sure everyone figured this out by now, but when he becomes a vampire, the whole time I kept thinking, why can't we have, like, like that type of movie I was describing earlier, put Matt Smith as the vampire character, and just have fun with it? You know, have him be Morbius, because I think that's kind of what I was hoping it would be. Jared Leto, like this is this is fucked up when I say this on that note. Um it made me miss Jared Leto weird because I feel like there's at least some level of commitment, whereas with this movie, like you know, you know, he you know, people joke all the time about the method acting and yeah, it's terrible and I'm not gonna justify it by any means. And the most I think he did as far as that is like he walked on crutches. Um, but he's so, like, seasonless, he's so bland, he's so just blasé, and he just shows up and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and some of the, the the lines are, like, I bet you if this movie wasn't chopped up so much by the studio, it could have potentially reached that threshold of so bad it's good, especially when you listen to the dialogue, because the lines that they say are so terrible And so, like cartoony, and like not in the best way. But at the same time, you're like, I want to know like where this was like what was the point of all this? I don't know. It just I was I was kind of bummed out because like it just you just don't care about anything. And um, I think the last time I got a vampire movie like this was probably the the Fright Night remake, which that's a fun one. Like Colin Farrell is a vampire. I've, i I never knew I wanted that so badly, but I'm glad I got it. <laughs> and you got Tony Collette. you got Ant, uh, late great Anton Yelchin. Um, so if you want to watch something that feels more in line with what I was describing earlier, I think that one's that one's it. But sure. But no, this one, this Morbius. Yeah, it's just it sucks that it's it does it's definitely not Venom or even Venom Two. It has I will say like again visually like yeah like the color schemes at times i love the purple on black sort of color scheme it was going for it looked like it was shot on film or maybe it was shot digitally and then brought down to film like like greg frazier did i thought that was pretty cool but it's just i wish it was i wish people i wish anyone was committed to it you Mm. know
0: right yeah but
1: that was sort of a waste of time but on a better note i also speaking of movies i finally watched beast Ooh, that was yes. that was a good one. It's a fun movie. Like, it was maybe a bit more serious than I wanted it to be, but it it delivers on what I want, which is I want to see Idris Elba punch a demon lion in the face, and he and it takes a second, but he does it.
0: You know, it doesn't over. I don't think it overstates his welcome either. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those where I think, honestly, I was like gripping. I was. I saw it in Dolby. I was <laughs> gripping my chair. And I'm like, man, when are they going to kill this freaking lion? Right? I, I was locked in. I was like, oh, God, where is
1: it? Like, <laughs> like like the like this was the equivalent of, like, when I'm in my room and a stink bug or something gets in and or, like, a spider shows up. And I'm like, where'd it go? Mm-hmm. Where'd it go? And I'm trying to, like, take care of business. And then, like, it escapes. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, Idris Elba, you know, he's great. Uh just it was and the lion effect, like the the actual lions look incredible. Like yes. like this um, like this made me like why John Favreau made Lion King. <laughs> because if it wasn't for Lion King, we wouldn't have had such great looking lions here.
0: Yeah, you're probably you're probably onto something with that.
1: So, thank you John Favreau for just copy and pasting Lion King with great effects.
0: <laughs> so right. so
1: the filmmaker who made beast could just let it rip because this could have been like this could have been like you know like kind of meh but not terrible cgi mixed with like you know like a sort of mid-tier movie but i don't know i, I liked this one a lot so i think because i know it's still in theaters and how i watched it i it's able to rent at home so you have your you have your options i would say check it out if you got a second
0: yeah, it's one of those, um, I feel like if it was released like 15, 20 years ago, it would have been a hit. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, but it's just like, it was a late summer. It's just, this summer was weird, because there were some big movies, and a lot of the summer was dominated by Top Gun. Yeah. And like, later on in the summer, just sort of like, literally the last like weekend, like Labor Day, was just like big re-releases everywhere. You know, Spider-Man, Top Gun, Jaws. Like, literally all it, all it was was like, hey, let's let's just throw these ones back in
1: there. But by the way, one of these movies is going to have 11 more minutes of footage. Uh,
0: uh. And That's even debatable because they, <laughs> they tweak some of the existing footage, so you might realistically be getting eight or nine minutes. At, at least that's what I've heard.
1: At the very least. um, It makes me think of uh, Dominion when the extended version of that came out, and I'm like, it feels like it's. Is it actually fourteen? Because I only clocked thirteen, mathematically speaking. But I'm not gonna get into that. Have you watched that yet? Up.
0: The extended version? No, I've only watched like a little bit of the beginning of the movie. <laughs> honestly, weirdly enough, I do want to rewatch it just to like sort of reevaluate it, mm-hmm. like in a more from a more like um, neutral standpoint. Because I, again, I saw it opening weekend with. The biggest Jurassic fan that I know of, you know, so it's like, um, you know, that definitely, uh, colors your perception a, a bit. For sure. Um, but, you know, beyond, beyond that, beyond uh, the world Richard, of Jurassic, <laughs> let us, uh, let us, uh, hop on our light cycles and move on to a different conversation entirely.
1: Oh yeah. Um, uh, we're going to a digital frontier if you will <laughs> or as i like to call it a little bit of bio digital jazz man <laughs> joey what what yes. is what is this bio jazz i speak of
0: we are talking about uh the uh, the disney recent cult classic directed by joseph kaczynski tron legacy
1: I'm try- I' try I, I was gonna do
0: the D-rez thing but I forgot
1: it I was gonna... there we
0: go see'm I'm, I'm thinking about the like the end the end credits I I listen to that <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh Tron Legacy um this movie uh is an interesting movie for a number of reasons oh, yeah. for our show. I feel like it's a movie that... It's amazing that it took us 90-something episodes to get to this point for this movie. You said that to me a lot, oddly enough. And I, and
1: I was always kind of surprised by it. Um, so i want to ask you uh, to kind of dive deeper into that for me.
0: So... Now listen, like I, I, I is this is not a movie I watch all the time. Like there'll be clips. I'll listen to the, the soundtrack. Obviously, I'm really excited for the the Tron Light Cycle coaster. That's coming next it's coming, year instead of this year. Ne- well, that doesn't surprise Ooh. me. It doesn't the Eons to do anything, but um. Anyway, so like Tron, like I remember seeing this in theaters and being very impressed. I couldn't tell you much about the story other than Jeff Bridges there are two Jeff Bridges you know <laughs> there's two times the bridges two time two bridges uh <laughs> as as they fight over a bridge
1: this is true like no this is this this makes this movie so much better two bridges versus bridges on a bridge
0: yeah I'm not the first person to make that joke folks so I'm <laughs> not, I'm not going to even claim to be original but
1: whoever 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 did that one first uh, all the credit to them
0: Thank you. But no, this one, I, I th- it felt like a, a, a fit for our show because it has a number of people that we like um, involved. Um, you know, the music is fantastic. I mean, it's one of those movies where even people who are just like, and again, they're, they're just, Disney is a terrible corporation for a number of reasons, but like even people who are just hard nosed, like anything comes out of Disney is just awful based on principle we'll have a soft spot for this movie. Like, this is a movie... It came out at a very different point in the com- company's history, which is weird to say, given that that was just over, you know, over a decade ago. Yeah, like, um, literally, like, a little over 12 years at this point. At this point, yeah. It's like, because this was before Disney was distributing the Marvel movies, because they bought Marvel in 2009. This is before they owned Lucasfilm, and they bought that 10 years... This year be 10 years ago. <laughs> um wow but um no with, with this one it was just like because the music uh Jeff Bridges and like visually I thought I'm like wow this is like one of the most incredible like as far as like a mainstream movie it, it is so incredibly unique um and in, in its vision
1: and I think speaking of vision I think it's worth noting that um Joseph Kaczynski did direct this but this was his first like this is his debut was Tron Legacy, which is, yeah. it's crazy to think that Disney was like, because this was like in an experimental time where Disney's like, all right, let's see if we can make a franchise. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Um, and they call a first timer to to, like, to to do it. And it's, it's kind of, it feels, it feels weird that they would do that. Cause like, you know, you think of, especially like all the Disney remakes and, the vast majority of them are from like experienced people that have like history with Disney, like Tim Burton, Greg Gilles, Craig uh, Gillespie, um, uh, even Robert Zemeckis, and with uh, you know the much the much uh,
0: critically praised, obviously Pinocchio, uh. <laughs> or or just filmmakers in general that have been that have been working there, for, not just there, but like in the business. Along, I mean, John Favreau, yeah. I mean, it, even before Disney was, there's a lot of special effects stuff going on in a bunch of his, um bunch of his movies. Um, but also, I think Kaczynski was a special effects guy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think he started off in that field. But I'm not. I don't. I don't know as much as I should. But I, I think you're right.
0: No, but it, but I, I guess like my my thing was <laughs> I I had assumed that you just loved this movie. I don't know like. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me, you know, assumptions make make an ass out of you and me, but in this case, really me. But um, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I knew you didn't hate this movie, like, no, no, like because I, because I have
1: an I, interesting history with this movie. A little bit, I'm sorry.
0: Um, <clears throat> no, but I was also, I think, also because Disney Infinity, uh, may that rest in peace, had incredible Tron figures and like Tron, like, because it, it, it's like you're playing with toys in the game. And um like they had like the, the light cycle and like the truck and then the flying machines, you know. And Richard's holding up his uh his two figures which are incredible.
1: I'm rubbing them on the microphone if you can hear it. <laughs> A
0: little ASMR action
1: from the Tron Legacy figures.
0: Yeah, if if you if you miss Disney Infinity, please message us.
1: Please. We're 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 lonely in this fan club. Like yes. many other fan um, clubs we're a part
0: of. <laughs> like many other fandoms we Richard Ridges, we just joined the wrong fandoms, man. <laughs> eh, is it the wrong fandoms or is it the right fandoms that everyone else just doesn't know yet? <laughs> oh man. Man, you're right. <laughs> I'm throwing it down. <laughs> it, 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 it's like the, the principal skinner. Like, am am I out of touch? No, it's everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I want to hear about your history with this, um, with this particular movie.
1: Well, my history is just, it's, it's, it's like, it's one of those stories. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's what I feel like every time I hear it, but I'm like, it is a fun story. So, um, cause like, I think when I, when we were talking about Tron in last week's episode, I was just talking about like how my first interaction was Tron with the original Tron was through that meme, um, through that old viral video. And... With this recent Tron, I just remember when in 2010, it was the first year I ever went to Comic-Con. I went to San Diego Comic-Con. It's the only time I've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been to um, New York. I've been to uh, uh, C2E2 a handful of times for both. But uh, San Diego, I've only ever been to one. Um, I would like to go again at some point. We'll see what happens. Um, But I remember... Um, as far as like the big movies that were being talked about, I know I think Deathly Hallows Part Two of the Harry Potter movie is one of the big ones. I know Sucker Punch was a big one because this was like when Zack Snyder was at his height. Um, and I remember uh, like a handful of other movies, but the, I think the biggest one of the biggest ones, obviously, was Tron Legacy. And I just remember walking down the street uh, alongside the convention center, and there was like banners that had Jeff Bridges and. Olivia Wilde and, uh,
0: Garrett H- Hunland or Hun...
1: How, how do you pronounce his name?
0: <laughs> I need to double check because, <laughs> admittedly, like, I was like... I almost put a question mark next to his name because I forgot him. <laughs> uh, Garrett Headland. Garrett Headland. Alright. I feel bad because, you know, he, he seems like a decent guy. He does
1: seem like a decent guy. Um, which, uh on, uh, on a side note, speaking of him, I had no clue the first time I ever saw him in a movie was in a James Wan film because... Um, James Wan directed a movie called Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon, which is like a really sort of crazy, uh, like dad gets revenge sort of movie where Kevin Bacon plays a dad and his kid gets shot and killed by these gang members. And so, um, uh, Kevin Bacon like becomes like insane and like chaves his head and like goes full taxi driver trying to kill these guys. And then like the main dude was, was, uh, good old Sam Flynn from Tron Legacy, but he had a shaved head and a goatee and like tattoos. So clearly, he looked totally different than last than from what I see him in in this, which he's like like hero blonde white dude. <laughs> the,
0: the action figure,
1: <laughs> literally the action figure. Um, but I remember uh, walking down the side of uh, San Diego Comic Con convention and seeing all those banners, and when the first day we decided to try and hit up hall H me and the group I was with, uh, it was a huge line and they were doing the Tron legacy panel and we had just missed it. And it sucked because we had heard after the fact that apparently they had not finished everything they needed for the film. And so they had the entire crowd, uh, uh, Joseph Kuczynski was there and they had speakers and recorders and everything. And they had the entire crowd, uh, do the audience noises for the disc Wars scene so they recorded everybody and I've, I think I've told the story before but yeah
0: yes yes I, I this sounds yes yeah okay
1: but I just thought oh that would have been so cool I could have been like that's me <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I can hear myself I can't I did I did re- I do remember partaking in the because uh, I remember when the Dark Knight Rises was doing something similar and they were like asking people to send in recordings of them saying like the chant or whatever from that movie. And so I did do I did do that, so maybe my my voice is in uh, the score for the Dark Knight Rises somewhere. I didn't get a credit though. At least I don't know.
0: Well, no, you know, that's how they get around that. <laughs>
1: they asked and they're like, Would you like to volunteer to be in a Batman movie? I'll get paid and be in a Batman movie. Come on. Um But no, I thought I thought that was such a cool thing that, that they did that for Tron Legacy. And then when it came out, it was just kind of, a—I think it was a random day in the weekend my cousins were visiting, and I went and saw it in 3D, and I I definitely was into it, but this was also, like, after I think a lot of people had already started, like, reviewing it, and I remember people talking about, like, the effect of, like, de-aging Jeff Bridges, because, like, this was also when de-aging was
0: not a thing yet. No, but we're going to get to that, too, like... Just there's a lot of things with this movie that feel like the, people don't talk about the first. a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But um, yeah, so it's just it. It was kind of a cool thing that like I I, I wish I could have partook in, but I was right there. I was right there. Um, but as far as like, like my interest in the movie, like I've always thought it was fun, and I like the visual aesthetic and the music's great but I think it's also one of those movies that you just hear so many people constantly, like I should, like it was, it was during this, like a time period when like I would constantly like hear what other people were saying. And it felt like it was sort of ruining the experience a little bit. But, um, in recent years, like I would watch it and I'd be like, this is fun. Like I have no beef with it. And And I'm glad it's, it's here on the show. And it definitely, it definitely put my eye on Joseph Kaczynski as a director. Like, I want to see what this guy's got up his sleeve. Yeah. So, and so far I think he's done, including our two movies, I think he's done like five films thus far.
0: Did he do, um, did he do Oblivion? He did. I always hear good, pretty good things about Oblivion. It, it, it feels more like Tron Legacy than
1: I think our second feature does, admittedly. But I also think it also has some, some similarities to our second feature as well. Outside of right. Tom Cruise being in it, <laughs>
0: um, but you know, I, I, like the story in this, I think I think is probably like the weakest part of this movie. I think even though like I'll give them credit for putting this much effort into tr- a Tron sequel, because like Tron is one of those movies where like people knew about it, but it's not like Neverending Story or Princess Bride. Or a number of like other people movies people had on tape where they watched it like over and over and over again. It's more like something you're like, oh yeah, and it's like, it's like I could totally see like a kid not enjoying the first Tron. Yes, you know we love it. You know it's 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 another it's, it's one of those lot of fun
1: lonely fan groups.
0: I think we have. we're a very lonely fan group because we're we're probably one of the few like people that will say we enjoy the original Tron more than Legacy but that's not to take away from legacy but legacy like um you know you have Sam Flynn uh Garrett Hedlund's character who is the son of Kevin Flynn Kevin Flynn obviously Jeff Bridges he's disappeared he's gone he's he he went bye-bye after cuz like
1: after he acquired Encom who's like the big company uh he taught. he's talking a lot about the future of the world cuz like when we met him in the first movie he's very much like just determined as like a a video game developer to get his company back and then he becomes like a tech genius uh like seeking like the future if you will like he's a futurist in in many respects and so he's talking about especially now that he's been to the digital world and how that's warped his perspective changed his perspective um he's like you know in in the digital space we can find the cures for this we can find a new path for humanity we can do so much great and so many wonderful things in the digital space and one day after making like huge claims and and uh saying that you know he thinks he's cracked something he just boom just straight up disappears and all that's left is a young sam flynn is a little boy um, who wants nothing but to play video games with his dad and hang out with his dad, but his dad's gone, his mom's dead, um, and all he has is Alan Bradley, uh, another returnee from the original film, who kind of works as like a surrogate father figure. Um, and the most Sam has for him is that uh, is really n- nobody, honestly. Like he's just kind of running solo, and most he does have a, he's he's got a he dog. does have a dog named saying. Marvin. Yes, dog uh, Marvin the dog is very adorable, um, but he also is the the, yes. the highest shareholder of the company. But he doesn't really do anything with it; he just kind of lets it
0: there. No, well, he just—it's kind of like thinking, thinking about like Bruce Wayne in um, like Batman Begins, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but also too, like he's also sort of a renegade, um, like his dad. Because he 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 like as like and comes about to release its latest like software or whatever he drops it online for free
1: yeah like that was great I I like that and that's the craziest scene to me in the whole movie and it's not because it's like like a high special effects thing or like just it's just the fact that this scene is so pivotal to the fact that Disney wanted it to be a franchise because they get Killian Murphy speaking of Batman Begins, the Scarecrow as, uh, David Warner's son or relative or whoever, um, as, uh, I forget, uh, it's Dillinger is the last name, but I forget the first name. Right. But I know, but I know because especially at that time, his career was really taken off. They wanted him to sort of be like, like a tease for a sequel. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you don't just... And he gets, like, maybe one or two moments of dialogue, and then he's just gone the rest of the movie. Like, he doesn't even show up in the digital space, which kind of bums me out a little bit. Because I would have liked to see him, like, show up and be, like, maybe the main villain in there, because I think he would have had fun with it, but...
0: Dude, can you imagine, like, a a revamped Sark?
1: Especially with Killian Murphy just just
0: having a good time,
1: going full, like, Red Eye or Scarecrow, just, like
0: damn but but dude i also want to say to give credit shout out joseph kaczynski and like the team on this like because obviously like visually it's dazzling when we get to the digital space right and we'll get to more of that in a second but like even again like with the first tron in the real world visually this is really impressive it's like looking at it. it feels like a real as my mom would say a real movie (laughs) big harry styles would say
1: something else like it feels like a movie you know how a movie feels
0: like a movie? You know, after saying that, I've never felt closer to Harry Styles in my whole life. <laughs> and now I would just feel like Chris Pine is silently judging me uh, somewhere. Are you talking about Pinocchio's nickname? Uh, well, don't worry, Richard, because we also have Olivia Wilde. Oh,
1: we, uh, it all came back to Olivia Wilde, didn't it? It was all going well, back there.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about... Um, uh miss wilde's abilities as a filmmaker uh we're just gonna say that she's great in this as uh cora cora yeah who's a she's a very pivotal
1: character in the whole piece it's just it's just it's one of those bad timing situations given everything
0: that's going on with her but uh not as bad as other things we've discussed for sure not as bad definitely not. we'll we'll take that but yeah Um, um but, but I feel like for a lot of people, this is like one of the most, mem- other than the visuals and the music, it's one of the more memorable parts of, um, parts of this movie. Because it's like, hey, we have, like, in this Tron universe, like, there's a female character, like, who's like, she's a total badass in the movie.
1: I love her hairstyle, too. It's yes. not, it's not the most important thing, but it's just cool. But like, her whole character, again, is like the pivotal, like, it's like the, the most important thing in the entire film, because to really go into it so Kevin Flynn in his downtime when he wasn't hanging out with Sam or doing uh like work elsewhere he was hanging out in the digital world and reshaping it and making it more and more i will say my one com- like my one major like visual sort of complaint about the movie is that i wish when they were showing the flashback sequences that tron didn't look like or not tron but you know like the digital world um, didn't look like it was on the brink of decay or like, like, like I would have liked it to be brighter, maybe something mm-hmm. more in line with the original, because like the whole time it's obviously, cause it's very much similar to the original film. Like, you know, characters are being oppressed and, you know, like pe- being forced to do things and, you know, very much kind of that dictatorship sort of thing, like similar to master control, but it's different this time. And it would have been nice if there was a better visual representation of like the time before that was, ha- that part of the world was happening but besides that um right. so kevin flynn uh re- recreates uh his program from the original film clue uh who looks just like him and uh he clue and alan bradley's program tron who looks like alan bradley are trying to re recreate the the whole of the digital world and try to you know make new discoveries and do like uh um, really radical stuff man you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, little bio digital jazz, if you will. Um, oh, for sure. And uh, that's my favorite line in the whole movie, if you can't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the problem was, and this is this is a pretty typical, uh, like kind of science fictiony computer based plot line. But when Clue was re was reinvented, if you will, or recreated, uh, he was given the directive of making the perfect system, and if, and unfortunately. Um, That meant removing Kevin Flynn from the equation because he's human. Right. And so Clue sort of became this, this, like the, the new master control sort of character, quote unquote dictator sort of character that took, that took over all of the digital world and um, really like changed things to, to fit Clue's benefit of, of ultimate perfection. And then Clue, uh, basically corrupted Tron, and so now Tron's evil, and he goes by, uh, Rensler, which is a kind of a twist in the movie. Um, though, it, it, I don't know what was going with that part, but, so, like, Tron becomes sort of evil, essentially, and all while this is happening, um, Kevin Flynn discovers these things called isos, isomorphic algorithms, and these are, like, manifested beings that came out of them working in the digital world and have like human like some sort of like crazy thing about them that could change the world for the better and uh, unfortunately Clue seeing them as an imperfection wiped them all out and except for one who is Korra and so she's to be protected at all costs and so right one of the main reasons why kevin flynn never even came back was because he just chose not to you know he has he has access to the gate if if he want it um but at the same time the gate's not open all the time and on top of that clue's always on the hunt for kevin flynn especially so that he can take kevin or kevin flynn's disc and shoot back there's a lot (laughs) yes there's a lot of the table if you can't tell um but clues trying to get back to get to the real world and what's more imperfect than the real world you know we're we're full of imperfections um as we're constantly reminded every day in various ways um so that's essentially what's going on and, and Kevin and Sam Flynn gets shot uh gets shot into the digital space and in he gets shot in the middle of all of this craziness yeah there's literally so much setup <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, yeah, there 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 is a lot. Um, there's a lot going on, but I mean, it, I was just amazed at how well this holds up visually speaking. But like also, I was amazed looking at some of the behind the scenes how much how mu- how many like physical sets there actually were um in the production as well, mm-hmm. you know, because you think Tron Legacy, oh, it's a really great CGI you know, and all, all this 3d movie, whatever. But like, I'm like, wow. And think about like the rooms, some of the rooms that they have and the clubs, um, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is just, it's really impressive, honestly. Cause you know, cause there's so much talk about like, so many things are just green are just green screen. Right. Um, but in the, it, it was really a nice, like, um, a nice visual change up, but also just not, varies, it varies your techniques a bit, which is, you know, I always think is a good thing. Um, obviously, we talk about the de aging component of the movie. Um, like this movie is is a le- is a legacy sequel, or some people say legacy sequel. I'll just say legacy sequel. Like this is a movie which sort of like described as like a movie that continues a franchise that ended like a decade plus ago, and it's
1: it kind of feels like the first. Maybe not the first one, but the first one in in a string of them after the fact. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt like that became such a popular thing after a while. And it, it's, you know, it's just that, along with the de-aging aspect, it feels like it, it really could be tracked to Joseph Kaczynski with this film. And, you know, it, and yeah, people talk about the de-aging thing. Like, you know, they talk about Jeff Bridges looks like he's got. Dead eyes the whole time, and they talk about like how it's just it just feels so weird to look at his face no matter what. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? In many respects, this makes me think of like you know, when Peter Jackson did all the under a lot of the underwater scenes in Lord of the Rings, like by today's standards, they look not very good at all, they're rough, but he did it so that you can introduce a possibility of shooting things underwater. Without the the dangers that that can entail, um, and so like movies like you know Aquaman or maybe even uh, Wakanda Forever after that could thrive a bit more and use that use that method uh, to to better tell their story since there's going to be a lot of underwater scenes and it also makes me wonder uh, how James I know James Cameron did film a lot of stuff actually underwater so. Um, he probably tried. He's probably trying something different, but in the same vein, like that was essentially a step forward to try something right. different. And so, in many ways, you can say without Joseph Kaczynski and without Tron Legacy, Martin Scorsese wouldn't have made The Irishman.
0: And all of this, keep my, I think, is to say for better or for worse, yeah. because the de aging thing, um, you know, de aging and all that stuff has had its like controversy. But I very think true, on one hand, true. if you're just if, if you're, de- if you're de-aging somebody who's alive and they're like, they're consenting to that sort of like the new Indiana Jones, um, is coming out, which I'm very excited about. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of flashback scenes apparently with a DH Harrison Ford. I don't have an issue with that. I mean, yes, it'd be, it'd be nice if we didn't have to do it, but I don't have an issue with it because he approves of it like because he, he signed on to do that. Um, But where it gets challenging is where you have something like Rogue One with, like, with Grand Moff, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, And you are literally bringing back characters from the dead. And now we're getting to a point with this stuff. Ghostbusters Afterlife is is yes. But also, not even just that, but, like, um, I'm sure many of you who listen to the show watch the Obi-Wan show, there was talk about the voice of Darth Vader on that. Where they and they used a similar technology, I believe, on Luke um, in the Mandalorian, but for Obi Wan, like a sort of an AI, I think, program to like sort of like recreate that voice, Um, you know. And again, I'm not fully aware of every bit that goes in into that. But and James Earl Jones is, of course, still alive. But what what is this? What's going to happen eventually? with this stuff right you know what where how does it continue like it's going to get complicated I, mean, I, I know you know the story remember like they were going to talk about um like the james dean movie yeah where yeah he was he was literally going to be like the leading man even though he's going to be like cre- recreated through cg or whatever and that's weird that's very um, weird but, but but like again for better or for worse this is an important movie simply for that like that special effects achievement, but also just in terms of legacy sequel plots. I mean, obviously it's like, Oh no. Like the main guy goes missing for a while. Hey guys, remember the force awakens. There's <laughs> some like daddy. There's some daddy issues. Blade runner 2049, the force awakens, uh, ghostbusters afterlife, like literally any legacy sequel, just about any, our next film under double feature. Yeah. Daddy issues. Lots daddy of daddy issues. issues. Daddy issues galore. Like daddy <laughs> issues. Palooza. Listen, so many movies that are
1: getting legacy sequels star male characters, and those male characters apparently have kids or relatives of some sort, and those relatives look at those characters as father figures, but they kind of fucked them over, so,
0: you know, daddy issues. <laughs> D- daddy maybe issues. The- or just lack lack of daddy uh, creates daddy issues. Maybe, you know? maybe, Whatever.
1: Maybe maybe those daddies also just came in to talk to their kids' friends and not them about fuck- <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs>
0: This is, this is also a legacy <laughs> sequel of sorts as well. It is a legacy sequel for the rest of Richard's life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, and I think like the, that dynamic between the two of them, I think it works. Ge- generally speak. I didn't really take an issue with that. And I was like, wow, this is amazing that they went through this effort to make like this kind of story, you know, you know, for, tr- for Tron. You know, Sorry. No, you're okay. Um, what I
1: found sort of interesting is that like cuz you don't want them to feel like they're their best friends or like super super close cuz obviously they've been so detached and I think they really brought that level of chemistry together really well on both the sort of antagonistic end of like that incredibly awkward dinner scene, awkward dinner scene where um yes. you know uh Sam is Saying like uh, I went to your I went to Caltech and, and he's like oh my alma mater and he's like then I dropped out and then Cora just goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like do you have a wife kid dog <laughs> he's like dog dogs uh, dogs are cool <laughs> or but that's a great but, scene but then like to juxtapose that like they have a very loving scene where you know they're riding that um that thing to get to the portal. And they're just having a moment and they're, and he's like, you know, what mom and dad, like, you know, they've been gone a couple of years, they've been gone like, you know, 12 so years now. Do you remember uh, your bike? He's like, my old Ducati. (laughs) And like, it it feels like, like a genuine, like, like refreshing, like sort of moment of, of bond between like estranged family members. Like, I I believe it.
0: Yeah, no. Um, Also, but also in the, in the case of daddy issues, uh, Jeff Bridges is also the daddy of Clue. Oh yeah, Clue hates Kevin. Clue, <laughs> Clue hates Kevin. Um, I wanted to read this quote, um, and I I, I kind of liked uh, that. It's it, I believe it's like towards the end, like with the final confrontation with these two. Uh, the thing about perfection is that it's unknowable. It's impossible, but it's also right in front of us all the time. You wouldn't know that because because I didn't when I created you. I'm sorry, Clue. I'm sorry.
1: Am I still to create the perfect system?
0: I remember that part, too.
1: <laughs> he says that a couple of times. But, yes, yeah, that, that um, is a
0: great line, though. I agree. Um, You know, it's... Uh, it, I, so you really do feel like that sense of, like, time has pa- has passed and, like, you know, just, like, regret, you know, and all that, and regret for your mistakes and all that. Um, gotta talk about that Daft Punk score, because I feel like that's, like... It's kind of like talking about, like... John Williams and Star Wars, Queen and Flash Gordon. It's you it's know
1: perfect. Like I don't. I, it's so good, man. Like and the the fact that they also have a cameo in the movie is great too, because mm-hmm. they play the yes. the the DJs for the for the I forget what the bar was called, but uh, um, they play the DJ. They play the DJs there, and but and they're dressed like themselves, and it's like it fits perfectly. <laughs> yes um, but the music is so iconic like I still like there was a point I remember when the movie initially came out and even a couple years after the fact I would listen to the soundtrack I'd be playing video games listening to the soundtrack and it would amp me up as I was like fighting whatever I was fighting in the game
0: yes it's, um, it's so end good. of line was it the end of line end club? of
1: line club that is Sorry, right you'd... thank you so much actually um, <laughs> that was bothering me the whole yeah. time I was
0: thinking about that but but also, on that note, it's amazing, like, when I think about, like, legacy franchises, like, you know, how, like, sometimes the aesthetic of the original is overrides everything else. Like, when you think about, like, the new Star Wars stuff that's out, Richard, like, yeah, there's stuff about, the like, the Star Wars prequels, but I feel like a lot of the aesthetic is still, like, the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's It still has such a heavy hand. Whereas Tron Legacy is the opposite. When people think of Tron, they don't think about... The film from the '80s, even though we, you and I love it, like most people think about that Joseph Kinsen's that style that they think about that style and that aesthetic. And and again, it goes to like the the attraction that's at Shanghai Disneyland, and then that's going to open at Disney World. The light cycle run (laughs) that is that is that aesthetic is not the aesthetic of the original. That's Mm. the legacy aesthetic. Like you know, the
1: biggest difference is just in the costumes too. Because like you look at the original costumes, it's white with lights. It's that, it's that sort of color scheme, which works beautifully. And then with this one, it's very modernized. So, like, you look at Sam Flynn's outfit, it's pitch black with streams of bluish sort of whitish light, sort of like light blue light. And it sort of peppers throughout the whole thing. You look at the world, it's very bleak, but... Like I think I, I I refer to it as the movie equivalent of turning your phone in dark mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh it but it works really well. Like I and it's sort of crazy to like look at how things originally looked as far as the creations and how they brought it into the sort of modern context. Like even just the light cycles because the light cycles were more like cars almost like like with canopies even like you know a whole thing would come down. And, yeah. uh, you know, you would, you would get this like very digital look, this very sort of, um, you know, obviously old school CGI look, but then with these new light cycles, they are like motorcycles, you know, they're pitch black and mm-hmm. they have these huge sort of hollow, they kind of look like if Dyson made motorcycles, right. you know, and the the light that comes off is almost liquid like it's it's kind of incredible how they how they like worked all this out and you know it if i had to pick like if i had to pick which aesthetic i preferred i probably couldn't cuz i think they both work in for different reasons
0: i agree 110% it's so difficult because yeah. i do love like especially with the ve- like the vehicle side of things the way they reimagined like the flying like those um it was like, like helicopter
1: the, things with like the arms the heli-
0: helicopter things, like, the way they reimagine that, but I, I think, I think just, like, hanging out in the original world is so goofy because it's, like, <laughs> it, 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 there's, there's so many different colors, and it's just so, some weird characters, like, again, there's that weird, there's that weird, like, big dude on, the the swirly chair, you have Sark, <laughs> you, you know, um, but I, so, again, it's one of those things where, like, you really do have to give them credit because I think in any other franchise, that there would be, like, slavishly devoted to like the aesthetic of of the you know of the of its predecessor the only other one of the only other instances i can think of where they don't really do that is like blade runner 2049 where it's a movie where yes obviously it pays homage and tribute to the original but you watch that and i i don't think of them as like the same exact aesthetic i think they're two pretty different things like one's just maybe a continuation of that world but no, I, I, again, like, Kaczynski and, and the team behind this really, they really did a great job. Just, like, even just the
1: lighting effects and all the costumes and, like, the, the outfits that they wear and, like, the Disc Wars scene is so fun to watch.
0: Yes. Like,
1: the way they sort of took the concept from, like, the sort of racquetball sort of thing that they did in the first movie mixed with the sort of disc fights that they did in the first movie and brought it into modern day i i love the thing like the the actual thing when he pulls it off the back and it like kind of looks like a buzzsaw like sure that's really cool um even just the the people like the 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 people that live in the the world i like that they bothered to kind of harken back a little bit to some respects Mm -hmm. with to like the fact that everyone in the original movie had to be filmed in black and white to get the aesthetic so like everybody has like white sort of shiny paint on their faces. Like I think of Michael Sheen, who is yes. by far one of the most fun characters in this entire movie, and he's just having a blast. Yeah. Um, like he yes. he looks like uh like an old vaudevillian, like he even does like the like tramp walk at one
0: point. <laughs> I think I was reading somewhere like it feels like that performance is inspired by Joel Joel Gray in um uh what we call cabaret when he's the when he's the like the MC. It's such a weird, like eccentric character.
1: Oh yeah, it's he's having a great time, and I love it so much. Um, but yeah, just so much of the the visual aspect of it works so well, and like you were saying, it's just you know tip of the hat to everyone involved in the creating in creating that world and making it look as cool as it does.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, really, really, um, really was like kind of an important uh, a weirdly important movie um as far as like franchise movies for better or for worse um as i've emphasized a few times anyhow we're going to take a brief brief uh intermission we're going to hop out of the digital world do you
1: feel the need this time or do you want to do the speech thing again <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, Richard, I want to... I. I'll, I'll, no, I'll let you do it, Richard. I want to manage expectations.
1: You want, you want me to, to... I feel the need. <laughs> the need? The need for, for speed! speed. <laughs> there we go. Take a drink, Gif. <laughs> Welcome
0: back. <laughs> Two dudes, wonderful features. Not encourage the consumption of alcoholic beverages to our show. Please disregard Richards. <laughs> and we're back. We will replace it with... And we've returned to our uh, joyous... Uh...
1: And we're back. Take a drink, Gif.
0: <laughs> drink water. You need to stay hydrated, my little friend.
1: Yes, Gifford, drink some water. Don't drink anything else. Maybe, maybe a root beer. Yeah, that's fine. But yes, welcome, <laughs> welcome back. That was a that that just made me think of that tweet. That's like the first portion of any podcast is all inside jokes, <laughs> and then the rest of it's the conversation. <laughs> uh welcome back to the show everybody in our first half we talked about joseph kaczynski's debut film tron legacy and as time has gone on he's gone to make some other films here and there Uh, he did a movie called oblivion that i thought was pretty cool um actually did some things there that were pretty revolutionary as far as modern technology is concerned and i think he did another like a rescue movie with firefighters and josh brolin i've heard that was okay yeah same thing actually i've heard that was pretty okay too but uh, this year, he brought the, the the movies back. He brought the movies back, teaming up with America's stuntman Tom Cruise, to make arguably for many people the greatest legacy sequel ever to be put to film. Joey, what in fact is this movie we are talking about today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Top Gun. To Hold to oh oh my hand.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right, baby. Tom Cruise, uh, Christopher Corey helping write this thing. Joseph Kaczynski. They're holding hands. and They're going off to the danger zone because this is Top Gun Maverick.
2: Wow!
0: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> um, now, like, even though like Tron Legacy wasn't an outright like, it made four hundred million dollars. On 170 million, so it's kind of like teetering, like, do we want to make this a franchise? And they've toyed with, like, Tron 3, I feel like, from time to time. We've heard rumors. um, This is not a cult classic, because this is perhaps one of the most most mainstream hit that's not named Spider-Man to come out in the post-movie theater's reopening world. Literally,
1: ever since uh, this pandemic we live in, started there was always that conversation of will the movies come back or movie theaters going to live again and people have said like oh this movie brought cinema back or this movie brought cinema back um and in many respects those movies definitely helped you know like i'd say Godzilla versus Kong which we talked about on the show definitely started kicking things off pretty well um obviously Spider-Man No Way Home but it wasn't really until this movie Top Gun Maverick that brought everybody out and said, "Hey, come check us. Come check us out. See what see what you think." And it's what? How much money has it made
0: now um, at this point? Over one point four billion. Put in perspective, it's made over seven hundred million dollars um, domestically, which it just passed Black Panther. Um, it's number five all time. The company that it keeps is with The Force Awakens, Avengers Endgame, Game, uh, Spider Man No Way Home. And then ahead of it is uh, Avatar, the first Avatar.
1: Is this the first? This is the first um, post movie theaters reopening that uh,
0: got a, mi- a billion dollars, right? No, or is this the only S- Spider-Man. one? Spider Man. Spider Man was the other one. Okay, but sorry, Tom. But Cruise. here's the thing: like, there's a number of factors going in because a lot of people for a while, this movie is supposed to come out a long time ago. Um this is another one of those like everyone's like where's top gun? Are we going to get Maverick again? We need Mav. Where's Mav? And you know um obviously Paramount rebranded CBS All Access to Paramount Plus and everyone assumed this was going to drop on some streaming service, maybe Paramount Plus to drive up subscribers or something. But Tom Cruise said no. This is going to be a theatrical release. And if you had asked I, I, okay, the, the first Top Gun was a was a big hit. It was the biggest hit of 1986. We know that. Yes. Right? But I think for a lot of people, I think you would agree with me, it was hard to envision this movie being a billion dollar hit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, because, like, it was going to make money. Like, it was...
1: Like, it it was the timing, first of all, because again, you know, regardless of what you may think, we're still in a time period... And, you know, even now things are still getting delayed or canceled or changed around. Like, things are, like, the mindset has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, some people think streaming's the way to go. Some people think theatrical's the way to go. Um, both have their benefits, if you ask me. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, theres that there's been that conversation going on for so long. And so just because of our current state of, state of the world, you know, movie theaters and and that business has been in a constant struggle of trying to, like, reignite things, and so so many movies that could have been billion-dollar hits, unfortunately, didn't get that return. You know, like, um, but then, uh, here comes tom cruise you know and that's sort of been the new narrative right now it's just like we're putting this in the theater it's gonna have a theatrical run and then we'll get it out on home for you guys but for now we're putting it in the theater and only in the theater and i think it really kicked off too especially with like the whole black widow stuff mm-hmm. and like scarlett johansson and just really being an advocate and saying like hey this is stupid and, ov- and obviously the whole legendary situation with hbo max was i'm sure put a dampener on things but right. um But in truth, Tom Tom Cruise, you know, is like, we need this movie to be in the theaters. We need you to have that theatrical experience. And uh, he he seemed incredibly adamant about that. I think he, like, even in that little advertisement uh, for, I think, remember that video where he's on the plane? Yes. At, at, like, CinemaCon, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, uh, you know, he even, like, the words exclusively to your theaters is... Is, is a is a term used more often than not lately, and so they're really adamant about doing that. And so again, just this time period, it seemed like maybe it wasn't a great idea, but also as far as Tom Cruise is concerned, like there's people that like him, mm. there's people that don't like him, and I get both reasons. Yes, I, I i have no I have no beef with anyone that has a particular feeling towards Tom Cruise. I know Caitlin. Uh, my manager, not to throw her out, not to throw her name out immediately, but I know she's like, I just don't think I'll ever watch a Tom Cruise movie. And I'm like, I totally get that. Yep. I've, I a hundred percent understand and even agree at times. Um, but uh, like, there was just so many factors that came into play and yet somehow, some way, because of how they made the movie, the approach they went with, like this, this movie killed it it went it it went crazy i even i'll even say this like if you know me i don't go to movies and theaters at the moment but i went to a drive-in and saw this Mm -hmm. because i i I needed to see what was up (laughs) yes and and it was a good excuse for my father's birthday i was like happy birthday we're taking you to see top gun at a drive in we're having a good time or it was father's day it was one of those okay but either way we were celebrating my dad
0: yeah um, but no but this kid re- this really connected with people like it was it was also interesting too cuz my mom loved this movie she loved the first top gun and so like for mm-hmm. her like it was funny like because my brother we went to see it and my brother didn't see the original top gun so my mom was like oh my gosh it's that guy it's like you have to understand that's the guy from the first like and she uh, it was like <laughs> it, it's like how some people would talk about like star wars mm-hmm. so like it's all. It's like a. It's a really like. It was an awesome moment. It was just kind of funny, and there were people like because this movie also brought in like like people talk about like the forty plus crowd at the movies, and people were wondering will that crowd ever go back to the movies? Right. There's yeah. There's been
1: kind of a, a deterring factor in that as well. Like so many people, so many movies, it felt like weren't really aimed at them. Like we like we, like I remember when Last Duel came out. And that was sort of the first time we were talking about, like, oh, a movie that's, like, made for the older generation in, in many respects with, like, a kind of modern theme to it and, and sort of conversations in that regard. Uh, but no one went and saw it. Yeah, yeah. And so, which, by the
0: way, Last Duel, very, very hard to sit through, but also a very good movie. It is a great movie, um, for sure. But, you know, this thing was a gar- gargantuan, gargantuan hit. Um. And you want to know how, the, how I know this? It opened number one Memorial Day weekend. And because of the way the circumstances were, it opened number one Labor Day weekend. That is like a, a, a an impossible... It's as impossible as the mission that they do in this movie. <laughs> which is funny I'm saying this because it feels like a Mission Impossible movie. Christopher McQuarrie, I said, like worked on the script for this and was very much involved. But let's talk about uh top gun maverick let's talk about the story because i do love talking about this like studying the success of this movie but also like i think first and foremost this is a great movie this is like the story in this makes sense even though there's like weird like time things like okay miles teller is is how old and you're like what does that quite it doesn't (laughs) who cares who cares like first and foremost (laughs) they get the characters right but like Maverick, okay? Captain Captain Pete. <laughs> His name is Pete. His name is Pete. <laughs> Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell, okay? This dude should have been an Admiral by now, but no. But nah.
1: Nah. He's not about He's that.
0: a he's he's a test pilot. Yes. <laughs> he's um
1: when we first see him in the movie, he's um uh, Call back to Tron Legacy, he lives in a garage, similar to Sam Flynn, who lives in a garage. Mm. I don't know. I will say, in, in Oblivion, they don't live in a garage, but it can almost pass as a garage, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But, <laughs> but um... No, he's living in, like, a like a hangar, I guess, actually. And he's trying to fly this this really, spe- like, supersonic, fast jet so that he can break, I think, Mach 10 he's going for? Yes. But um, the, the the government is like we're tired of you <laughs> like like you're old you're not you're just you're still a captain for some reason we don't know why yeah. um, but we don't really we don't really want you anymore. it's kind of a sad thought like we don't really want you anymore <laughs> um, and so um, after he sort of breaks the rules and breaks mach 10 at the same time um ed harris who's uh shows up briefly in the film uh tells him about a mission that he's on and it's this impossible mission to destroy this uh these like nuclear like power cells or uranium deposits or something. or something like that yeah yes yes thank you um and he's like you know i'll i'll do my best i'll find a team and he's like no 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 You're not flying that shit. No, fuck that. No, you're going to teach people to fly that shit. Teach, sir? (laughs) And then um, to quote uh, the principal for Back to the Future, you're going to Top Gun! (laughs) Yeah.
0: Joey does it better, but... um, I want to bust your butt. (laughs) But I can't. I got to give you your dream shot. This is the case is not his dream shot because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it.
1: <laughs> but so he goes to Top Gun and, uh, he's, he, it almost feels like, like in many ways, like a reunion similar to, you know, a lot of legacy sequels. And, uh, you know, obviously there's gotta be some changes here. Like, obviously we're not getting certain actors to come back, but, uh, um, his love interest is is sort of a reference to like a a one-off line from the from the first movie and um it's this character named Penny who's played by uh uh Jennifer Connelly and wonderfully I might add. She's fantastic in like, this movie, dude. She's 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 incredible in the movie. Like I like every time she's on screen I can't help but think of her. Like we don't talk about Jennifer Connelly enough, I think.
0: I was saying this too. we got to talk about Labyrinth at some point. Um, yes which is funny because when she's one of the scenes where she's introduced there's a david bowie song playing (laughs) you feel like that's intentional i'm like like come on like
1: you you don't like you don't do that when jennifer connelly shows up without intending to do it right like like in all seriousness but no she's she's very good in the movie and it's and also with joey and i it was just funny to think because his name is pete and her name is penny so their couple name is (laughs) pp Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. <laughs>
1: they don't mention that in the movie, but for us, it's us, For us, it's, for
0: us it, it's funny. Um, but more <laughs> important, like you know, that's important, but the really important thrust of this story is because he is being, he's the instructor at Top Gun right now, they have to bring back the top recruits, the top men and women of Top Gun. The top, the top people. The top peeps. Of the Top Gun. The top peeps of Top Gun, which includes bradley rooster bradshaw bradshaw played by bradley
1: bradshaw bradley
0: bradshaw, <laughs> bradley bradshaw played by uh miles teller who if if that name sounds familiar uh the name uh bradshaw um that's that 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 was that was goose that was, this is goose's son
1: that's good that's goose like remember that scene in the original top gun when they're singing great balls of fire and the kid's sitting on the piano wearing a cowboy hat
0: that's supposed to be Miles Teller as yes. a baby. And um again, like our previous movie, spoiler alert Daddy, Daddy, Daddy issues
2: <laughs>
0: Bullseye.
1: Daddy, Daddy issues daddy issues. Daddy, daddy
0: issues. Daddy Daddy issues No, but in all in, in all- Coconuts
1: sp- are a young man's game. <laughs> In in all seriousness,
0: no. There there is, and it's not just the it's not just the fact that because what happened with Goose in Top Gun, we learned that there's a an actual history of like um of Maverick preventing Rooster from certain like get, uh, attaining certain opportunities because you know. He didn't want him to end up like Goose, which it's not fair to Rooster, but also you understand why, because, you know, he doesn't
1: want him to die. And that's sort of the main thrust, I think, as far as Maverick's mindset in this movie is that he doesn't want when he's teaching this new team consisting of characters like Hangman and uh, uh, Payback. Uh, what are some of the, it was Payback Phoenix fanboy Phoenix, Bob Bob Bob's the best and it's Bill Pullman's kid. Who you know was in a fighter pilot fighting aliens in Independence Day, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, his main his main thing is that he'll teach these kids, but he's also going to teach them to get
0: home. Yes,
1: he doesn't. He literally doesn't want any of them to die, even though um his new boss, the new uh, Top Gun, if you will, Cyclone, played by uh the much the much incre the always incredible to see John Hamm. Yes, um and uh his his buddy warlock who's like more on maverick's side than cyclone is cyclone's kind of like i hate you but i have to deal with you um (laughs) like i i really hate you but you're my only you're the only thing i got and it sucks yeah so so basically the mission um when he's detailing it is in in the simplest terms possible it's essentially the ending of new hope (laughs) if you're gonna steal Um,
0: steal from the best
1: might as well. Um, so they have to go through a really narrow uh, uh, mountain range, um, much lower than the hard deck is normally, which is what, 5,000 feet Tip, uh, is d- the hard deck. Like,
0: what I, yeah, what I remember, like 5,000 feet. They have to do that. They have to, pull, like, up and down, and the Gs that you have, the to sh- have to face, and, like, your mind, you're, like, uh, you're struggling your whole- to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> It's like me on Splash Mountain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Joey enjoys that immensely, so I I now know why he loves this movie so
0: much. I think that was me on on, on Guardians going...
2: (laughs) Which, I love
0: it, I'll do it again at some point, but... (laughs) Um, I just, I hope those noises actually happen. They they did, they did happen. (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, no, but but you know, again, like so, so. Obviously, you know, there's a lot. There's some like training scenes, um, you know. And I think that the big thing is like Maverick. He's just a such a show off. Like he he is. just ego. He is too good at what he does. Like you know you know what? I, Morning I, aviators. You know what they say? They say like those who can't do teach. The problem is Maverick can do. So he's a terrible <laughs> teacher. He's a, t- oh, he's so bad.
1: Like, all he all he does is, like, shoot them down and, and show the them how bad they are. Like, it's like, you guys suck. Cause, like, that's the whole, that's his whole shtick is he, he comes, he comes and makes his presentation. He's like, you probably read this manual about the F 18s. You know, you know this manual back and forth. And they're all like, hell yeah. We did, we pff, rock and roll, man. We got this. And he's like, all right. And he just throws it in the trash. And he's like, you ain't no shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you don't, you don't know nothing. But I love I love and the that, scenes. I'm um, sorry to like like speaking of, like yeah, he yeah. wants everybody to get there alive. And, he, and he's like, you know, why, why didn't why weren't why didn't you make it home? And they're like, yeah, but no. Don't explain to me. Explain to that person's family. Explain it to the, fam- the family. Explain. it, it to to the Just family. like it hits you. You're just like
2: ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> in, in a way that normally doesn't happen in like blockbuster movies. Even when there are, like, high stakes, sometimes it's a little hard to, like, fathom. But I think what really helps is the way they film this. Because in the original, we talked about it, it's actually impressive that it is as coherent as it is with the flight. They just have, I imagine, hundreds of hours of, like, flight footage. And they had to make the best of it. You know. And this
1: one, they made their own. They made their own. <laughs> they made their own, quite literally. So, like, that's sort of the big, like, selling point for this movie is that... All of the actors, Tom Cruise especially, who, as he likes to constantly say, is a class whatever pilot, you know, which cool. Um, but uh, for this movie, they really wanted to to show like the the G force that they feel when you're in a plane. They want it to be as real as possible. So all the actors, they don't fly the planes, obviously, um, but they have. I'm sure they have a pilot in front of them flying the planes. But they trained, they did everything they could so they can withstand all the pressure that comes from flying a plane, Uh, specifically a fighter jet. Mm -hmm. And they mounted cameras in the canopy, the actors sat in there as if they were the pilots, and they filmed it. It was, like, I'm sure there was some visual effects here and there, but the vast
0: majority of what you see on screen is real. Yeah, and that's... And that's insane. It, it, it really, it really just is insane. It's just like Tom Cruise is literally just shouting at us: "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> Can you imagine someone walked out of there going, "That was stupid." And <laughs> just going, "What an ungrateful person!" <laughs> like you don't don't ever see a movie again. Don't darken this movie door ever. If I find out. That you're Joey, b- it's it's not real. It Joey, bites? it's not real. No. no, Joey, because there are people Joey. like this out there.
2: I'm Joey. gonna bust
0: your butt. Joey, it's okay.
1: It's okay.
0: You say that. Take it. But is it? Take really? a
1: sip of your drink. Do you have one with it's, you? It's, take a sip. It's
0: down here. Hold on, uh, folks. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you feel better? No, but anyway. <laughs> um. So. But yeah, like that that's a huge that's a big, you know, component for this movie. Um Yeah. But I got to talk about we did talk about a little bit about the characters um mm-hmm. a bit. Obviously, we talked about Penny a, a bit. Um PP uh, pee Uh Tom Cruise <laughs> I think is like again, I know people have like have said like, you know, Tom Cruise is like a one-trick po- at le- especially at this stage in his career, a one-trick pony, but I I don't know. I think in this movie I think there's a lot of heart to it and I get some genuine, there's some genuine dramatic moments with Tom Cruise. Like I think about, um, cause obviously there's like the, like the, the tension between him and, um and rooster. I think about when they play great balls of fire and nice callback to the original. Cause obviously they were, you know, singing along with, um with goose in the original uh, roosters mm-hmm. playing the piano and you see Tom Cruise and, and look, the look that he has, um, on his face in that scene. And I'm like, he's re- he's really good in this. Like it, 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 he really works. I believe that he is genuinely upset. Um, yes. about, about, yeah, about, and, and he's, he's seeing his almost his entire, like the last, like thir- 40 years flash before his eyes, kind of thinking about everything, um, with, um, with goose, um, and rooster. Obviously. Cause he still,
1: cause cause he still feels guilty for, for goose on one hand. Yes. But also like, you know he knows what he did he kn- he feels like what he did for rooster was the right thing but he also is like he's taking away opportunities from rooster that rooster wants he's, he, it is again it's the daddy issues it is it is daddy issues you know yeah like it's it's tom cruise being a father figure to rooster <laughs> tom cruise um maverick maverick being a father figure to to rooster but at the same time like rooster you know, doesn't understand like he's he's just like I want the shot. Why? Aren't- like you're 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 setting me back. You're not you're not moving me forward. You're not showing me. You're not teaching me anything. Um, and so I feel like in many ways, like this feels like an an opportunity for Maverick to to be what he couldn't be initially to Rooster. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because like we were watching the first one, and you know, no offense to Tom Cruise, but he's not. He's not the best performer at this at that point in his career. He's doing his best, no. but he's coming off admittedly fairly robotic, but I think as as the years have gone on, he's gotten more control over like his own abilities and what knowing what he can and can't do while also like pushing himself as much as he does. Um I feel like as time has gone on, he's understood himself better and been able to um uh, be like okay this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. This is what I know what I'm good at. And so he, and he's just, he's gotten better. He's gotten significantly better, obviously, like anyone else, you know, in their career. You know, after years of doing it, you just get better at it. And I don't think he's going to be like taking home any awards in that, in a performance necessarily, but he's believable. He's emotional. He's, he's, he's got great chemistry with everybody. And you, you actually, um, I I like this Maverick performance significantly more than the original Top Gun. Not to compare, but that's the truth. I think
0: it's hard. I I I think from a like a technical yes, I think it's a better performance. But also, I just think he's so iconic that it's it's sort of hard to do di- to divorce it.
1: Yeah, I mean he is. I mean again, it's like it's one of those things where I feel like Tom Cruise is in that same field as like a lot of other actors that are just like when you see them. I feel like, I feel like the only time he's given like a performance. That I'd be like give him an award right now was Les Grossman, <laughs> you know. And I don't say and I'm not saying that I I genuinely mean that because he's incredible as that he character. Is. He and is amazing. He 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 goes the full Monty, and I'm not saying he hasn't given great performances before. But you when you get it when you watch a Tom Cruise movie, you're getting Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like he's a genre in himself. You know, like like a lot of these other like like The Rock or like uh uh you know will smith before before the oscars um denzel
0: i would also like in the last couple of you know denzel's given some amazing like amazing yeah performances but he's also done like action movies where he is i'm like i'm watching this because it's denzel washington i'm gonna watch magnificent seven because denzel washington's a cowboy yeehaw
1: and that's okay
0: <laughs> it's okay to see it, see a movie like that yeah um
1: it's perfectly fine it it's 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 like it's again and it, you know what you know what you're getting when you get into it yep um like tom tom cruise is like i said he's america's stunt man you know he's 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 probably not the face of that profession obviously there's so many incredible stunt people i'd almost argue that like a lot of the people that worked on the matrix movies like chad stahelski feels more like that but at the same time you know he's he he's doing all of this insane shit in all these movies and he's really pushing the boundaries and pushing his own boundaries and what he can do and what he's comfortable with but you know what and I feel like this is something that should have been mentioned before the best thing about what Tom Cruise does with this movie which is something I feel like he never has done before he accepts his own age to an extent he plays <laughs> he plays he's he plays his own age and like cuz every other movie it's like it's almost like it's like just not even important. It's like I'm Tom Cruise, I I look even though I'm in my late fifties, sixty years old at this point. Um, this feels like the first time it's ever like acknowledged. Like the fact that someone calls him old man mm-hmm. in this movie is kind of insane to think about because yeah. you're like, at no point watching a Tom Cruise movie has that ever been brought up or ever been a thing. But this is first time. It feels like that's the case, and I and I have nothing but respect for it.
0: Um, I also, I think the only caveat I would say is like, cause in a lot of legacy sequels, it's very much passing of the torch. Yeah. That's not here. This is not a passing of the torch movie. Uh, this is a movie about Tom Cruise. This is a movie. And I know a lot of people have said this before. This is a movie about Tom Cruise and his state in the film industry, because Tom Cruise cannot keep doing this forever. Like as much as I want him to, I, I cannot wait for dead reckoning part one and part two dude it's just it's it's like i think i think the i'm only existing for a few movies indiana jones uh five avatar way of water all right there's probably a couple other ones i'm forgetting like just blanking out on uh dead reckoning oh dune part two obviously right uh these are the movies i am living for okay and maybe guardians (laughs) three throw it in there but like like tom cruise can't do this forever he can't do it no. forever. Um even though I you give him credit for how long he's done it, it's like okay, it, the whole movie is like at some point Maverick we're going to ground you, you know, at some point and he's just like, you know, uh, I think that's a line maybe so, but that day that that's not today. Um and that's that's how the movie ends basically. Like he's still Tom Cruise, you know, Yes, um, it, it's sort of like a reaffirming of 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 that uh, generation kind of thing. All right, but Tom, we talked a lot about Tom Cruise. I want to get to like a, a guy who eh, I feel like it, it, it's sort of a mixed reception as far as like an actor, but listen, he is incredible in this movie. I'm talking about Miles Teller. Miles Teller yeah. is so good in in this movie. Um, I like I. I I believe, like, I, he, look, first off, he looks like Anthony Edwards, like, uh, kid. Um, like, yes, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, he is so, he is so good in the movie, especially in the dramatic scenes, but he's also, fu- he's also fun. Like, I think about the football scene, and he's have he's having a good time, like, He's doing his dance. He's doing his dance. He's doing his dance. Yep. And he, he yeah. does a good job with the great balls of fire. I think, you know, it's on the soundtrack too. You can actually listen to it. Like you can like get the, like, the, the soundtrack the CD or whatever. Um, nice. but I think he's like really quite good. Like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he's ready to punch hangman. Honestly, like <laughs> I think we need more <laughs> scenes like that where it's just like, there's the tension just has, to, and you got to have a fit. Like, cause these people are just so used to like, fly, like uh, in the movie, they're flying a plane and shooting things, down. but like a face to face, like that's it. That's it. <laughs> we gotta do. this! I'm done with this. Gloves are off. Let's go, pal. Um, and um, I, and I love their chemistry too, especially when you get to the end of the movie when they're like when they're getting out, getting out of the base and they're ch- and Goose um not Goose uh, Rooster is trying to figure out like what his dad's job like because he's like the backup guy. He's like, ah! <laughs> I've never done this before. He's like, do you know what it is? No, that was always your dad's job. <laughs> like, i I'll, I'll try to find it.
1: But, no, yeah, he's, that's the thing, like, so you're talking about, like, sort of divisive, like, I, personally for me, I hate Miles Taylor mm. <laughs> in general, like, if I'm just being completely honest, and, uh, I, like, there's maybe a handful of performances, maybe not even a handful, like, one other performance of his that I'm, like, I think it's Whiplash was a pretty, like, yeah. he's very good at Wh- that, Whiplash, he's, he's but,
0: great in that movie.
1: But, but generally just like, I think him as a person also, he just comes off like a dick sometimes Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, again, I don't know him as a person, so I'm not going to go too much into that, but he just never, from what I've seen of his actions and like from the news and articles and stuff, he never comes off as a good person. Maybe he is. I don't know, but that's just, just the, the, the perspective I've got and I'm not a fan of it. Sure. Um, but as far as his performances are concerned, I also can't say I've liked any of them really, besides a, a like one or two. But this is one of them I do like. Like, I'm like that was the thing I'm like, oh, because like every time I saw a poster for it, I'm like, this, this is probably gonna be fun. But you know, it's got Miles Teller in it, me. <laughs> but he's very good in it. Like he he's very good. He gives a great performance. But the most important thing, at least for me, is that he's charming. He's yeah. likable.
0: He is. Yes, you you do see that he's not just like a bit like because that's a big part of it is that he is obviously resentful towards Maverick over what's happened. Yeah, but that's not the only facet to him as a character.
1: Like clearly, he's he's a, he's a guy that everybody on the like sort of main team likes, and they they think he's a good guy and. Um, when you see Rooster, even like when, like at the end, when him, when Rooster and Maverick team up to try to get back to the, to the ship, um, that like the chemistry between Miles Teller and Tom Cruise is amazing. Yes. And it's very fun. Like he, like he plays like Tom Cruise obviously plays like a little bit more of a straight guy to a certain extent, but, um, you got Rooster being like, what is going on Maverick Mav? Um, so it's just, it's a really funny, like, exciting, likable, charming dynamic that the two have. And, now he's very good in the movie, and so I commend his, I commend him, and I commend his performance wholeheartedly in that. And again, that's coming from someone that doesn't particularly like him. Like, right. the actor in, in question. So I think that, I think that is uh, something worth saying. It is. Nonetheless. No. Yeah.
0: No, for sure. Um, like, there, there's one big one that we have to talk about, but I have to bring up. I have to bring up Glenn Powell. Uh you have a you have a deep love for this guy. Glenn Powell as Hangman. It, for me he might steal the show. He is so good. he is so funny, but he is uh, he, he has like this smile where he is is just like oh man like you, he's a more dickish Han Solo type. And literally he ends up being like Han Solo cuz he saves their asses at the end.
1: He does. He is—he is the is, uh, like incredibly more dickish Hansel.
0: He's—he's—he's a, a, he's a lot more antagonistic than Iceman ever was in the original. He feels more like the '80s antagonist, where you're—you're you're just like, yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like he is more of a, th- a throwback than Iceman even was <laughs> in the original. <laughs>
1: this is very true he's he i will say he is having fun um it is hard to like dickish characters but he's having a fun time obviously um like i like when he throws tom cruise out of a bar <laughs> like come on old man that was pretty funny Or like anytime anytime he gets a bit of an ego check when they're doing the training and he's like shit yeah that's always a good that's always a good time um Yeah, generally, like, you know, the cast in general is really good. I like a lot of the new guys. But speaking of the original film's uh, dickish uh, counter character to our main character. So Tom Cruise, obviously, like, obviously when it comes to the legacy actors, Tom Cruise, you could argue, is like the only one because they don't really get anybody else from the original film. But there is one other person that they get. And that man... Is none other than, and I'm going to introduce him like this: as all at all times, two dudes, Hall of Famer, one of the greats of all time, Mister Val Kilmer. And what's so cool about this is that um, Iceman. So in in the context of the film, Iceman has become an admiral. Basically, he's he's went further. He's like the top of the he's tier. He's a commander. He's like,
0: like he is. Like, yeah, he's big time.
1: And so the only reason Maverick even gets a chance at Top Gun uh, to to do what
0: you know they want him to do is because Iceman's like yeah not even just that though but time and time again Iceman has saved has saved Maverick's ass oh yeah oh yeah um
1: and we get like such a beautiful scene and I think this is really where Tom Cruise's acting really comes into play and does a really good job here um he and it's a really heartwarming moment too uh where Val Kil- where uh, Iceman and Maverick have a heart to heart about what's going on and everything that they're feeling. And what's really cool is, like, if you don't know by this point, just to reiterate, like, Val Kilmer um, had uh, throat cancer. And so he had to have a procedure. So now he can't, he doesn't talk very well. Like, he barely talks. Like, he can talk, but it, it's not anywhere near what it used to sound like. And so uh, when we meet him, He's using a computer initially to like you know spell out what he's trying to say, but also and this is kind of cool like Val Kilmer's been working with this company to sort of bring his his voice back, right? And like it's kind of like insane how great the technology was to do that. And they and I believe they bring that to this movie because there is a scene where where Iceman does actually say something, but I also appreciate that they didn't try to just ignore that like they kept that in the film, which I think was really respectful. On one hand, too, and just seeing, just seeing Val Kilmer, you're like, oh, yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely look at you, beautiful a beautiful, like,
0: that was definitely a moment you wanted to be like with a bunch of people, like experiencing that, because you knew everybody was, everybody was feeling the same thing. They're just so happy to see Val Kilmer on the on the big screen with Tom Cruise. And I love the little moment where it's just like, who who is the better, who is the better pilot? Like, <laughs> don't ruin, don't ruin the moment. It's <laughs> like I'd answer, but I don't want to
1: ruin the moment. <laughs> Um, but it's it's so good. He does die in the movie, sadly. Yeah. Um. um they do. Ki- uh, Iceman does die at one point, but
0: which is one of those. Which is why I don't want another Top Gun part. Like yes, because it's, I agree. It's hard to like again. I'm sure they could come up with something that would be good. Because Tom Cruise, listen, Tom Cruise knows how to put together a team to make a movie. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like for the for the story, I feel like I'm okay with leaving these characters. At this point in their lives. We don't really need to continue
1: the story. Uh, it's I, it's nice that we got this one. Yeah. Let alone having to do more of it. I mean, obviously, there's probably going to be that talk because it made so much money. Yes. Um, And I I, I have a feeling Mission Impossible is about to end. Mm. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> or impossibly. Uh-huh. I mean, Dead
0: Reckoning <laughs> Part 1 and 2. That feels like if you're going to end the, it. The end. Like unless there's like dead reckoning epilogue or <laughs> Dead Reckoning part three, part four.
1: That's <laughs> just it's that's not even it's just the completely removed mission impossible. Now was just dead reckoning. It's like a
0: Twitter thread that like they don't know how long it's gonna keep going. <laughs> it's a question mark. <laughs> but I mean there's that uh, I gotta say, I mean, the music is of course a big component in the original. Yeah, a a lot of people
1: working on this one musically
0: yes so obviously like you have hans zimmer on this (laughs) on this project um harold faltermeyer is credited because like they they do use that top gun theme and boy howdy did that sound great in in dolby in the dolby theater Um, sounded
1: great at the drive-in too
0: i'm sure it did (laughs) and lady gaga also gets a music credit because her song hold my hand plays musically throughout the movie um mm-hmm. even without it like the song playing it's just like the music you know and that's a good song too i really liked um really like that one and of course the movie opens um <laughs> you got danger zone and it just gets you it gets you right back in that mindset and i think this is so br- it's another level of this movie's brilliance because sometimes like when people play like the music from something especially in like a legacy sequel It it's obviously it's meant to conjure feelings in you, but also it can sometimes feel like it could feel forced, and it doesn't feel right. But Mm. in Top Gun, it just it just works. It just works so well. It does, but you know what
1: was a weird feeling, admittedly, was when I'm initially watching the movie at the drive-in, and I got so confused because the the opening scene is almost beat for beat the same as. The original film, yes, and even though it says Top Gun Maverick at one point, like is everything like the font, um, the title when it pops up, like everything feels like it's exactly the same, and you know obviously that's a creative choice, but like it was a little bit weird initially, but when Danger Zone came on, you're like, just not in your head the whole time, like yes, and then I thought of Batmunk again, yep, <laughs> that's just. That's just par for the course so. But, no, I definitely agree. Like, there's definitely times, like, I know there's been a little bit of, I feel like, somewhat of kind of split down the middle feelings of the fact that, like, House of the Dragon reused the, Game the old of Game of Game Thrones, Thrones theme. Yes, yeah. But, like, because on one hand, it's, like, it's such a great theme. Like, why not just use it? Like, that's, like, one of the few, like, perfectly written theme musics. Musics? Music. what um, is <laughs> the music. Thank like, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, that was ever written, so why not use it again? But also, yeah, yeah. At, at the same time, it's like, couldn't you have used? Couldn't you have done something different? Can you have made something new? You know, we'll never find out. But uh, at least, you know, we don't know. But in that instance, it was definitely one of those like, could it have been, or should it have stayed, kind of thing. But with this one, you know, it starts off weird, but then it really gets like, yes. Mm-hmm you know like when that when the danger zone kicks in and then then at that point you know the regular movie starts and i'm like oh, okay it is right it is top gun maverick okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. and it's it's just like i never like and to be honest i never would have thought i'd be cons- i'd consider myself a fan of either of these movies like top gun or maverick mm-hmm. right i think i think i think the 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 one major complaint is I uh, I would uh, like admittedly have about Maverick is that because uh, the first film is unintentionally as like gay as it is and that kind of makes it so fun because you're like you know it's 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 just an exciting aspect of it not that that was intentional but it's exciting like you like the whole time admittedly I want Maverick and I want Iceman to kiss but I know they're not and obviously this movie is very much not that. But, um, and I, but I, I kind of wish it had a little bit more of that, but it does have a scene like the volleyball scene, but it's football this time. It's football. So we do get a nice, so we do get one sort of fun scene like that. And it, and it makes sense narratively speaking, because it's like, you know, I I like the bit when John Hamm comes out and he's like, why are, why are they playing beach football or something? (laughs) I'm paraphrasing. He's like, why are they doing that? It's like, well, you wanted a team. There's your team. Yep. Like. It it makes, I guess it makes it feel like more Americana, I guess, because it's football. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously a a big thing about both these movies is like the whole like military propaganda thing. Um, And yeah, that is sort of a weird aspect of it. And it's hard to not think about it, but especially with how American this movie feels, but it is a very good movie and it's, it's something that you just don't think about after a while. Because especially when especially when you get to that third act, mm. it's just like your adrenaline's rushing yes. too much. No, like they're
0: they're they're blowing up all the the missiles. Um, See, it's one of those things where it's like you can kind of forgive those shortcomings in a sense because it is such an incredibly well-made movie. Yeah, um, like. I was thinking, like, it, that's also like the part of, the, unfortunately, part of the culture war conversation is like, oh, this is like an old fashioned movie. There's no politics in it whatsoever, and <laughs> no. it's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, jeez <laughs> Louise, and it's like, it makes you feel like weird for liking it for like a second, but then you're like, it does, it does. But then you're like, <sighs> no, this is just a great, it's-, it's just a great, like one of the best, like like blockbuster type movies because there's obviously there's been like you know big movies that have been like you know cool and and all that but like as far as like a, a exciting like popcorn movie it doesn't get much better than top gun maverick
1: yeah it's it they they actually put some time and effort and care into it they they really wanted it to be something special and it and unfortunately it's going to have that baggage of like the the sort of propaganda-ish aspect of it yeah um which sucks but you know at the same time like you can forgive it a little bit and enjoy the movie for what it is and everybody in the movie and the incredible uh scenes of them in the planes and stuff and Tip of the hat wholeheartedly in many respects, like obviously to Tom Cruise, because I'm sure he had most, the most control over the whole thing and was able to get a good team together. But also I got to give a tip of the hat to Joseph Kaczynski, you know, like this guy, again, like I think of a lot of the movies he has done, like obviously Tron Legacy, this, but like even Oblivion, like Oblivion is in no way, shape or form an original movie. It, does a lot of things that you've seen in many other movies before, but from a visual aspect, the world that's created is insane. Um, the, the, the fight scenes are a lot of fun. The, like Morgan Freeman shows up at one point Mm -hmm. and, and he looks really cool. Um, and everyone's given a fun performance. Tom Cruise is, is really fun in that one too. Um, also that one has some pretty cool flight sequences with this like cool, helicopter like bubble plane helicopter looking thing right um and while I, I haven't seen admittedly the 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 netflix movie he did with chris hemsworth recently or the uh the uh the firefighter firefighter, firefighter the firefighter movie i hope they're good mm-hmm. i right. genuinely do because and i would like to see i really want to see joseph kaczynski sort of let off the leash a little bit maybe maybe that's what spiderhead is because i think that's what the movie's called spiderhead um but I want to see him like kind of come back to like the science fiction genre and, and just go crazy with it. But I also am glad that he made this movie and it was such a, a such a you know success and hopefully that leads to to more jobs for him.
0: No, yeah, for sure. Um absolutely that, that would be great. Um I think both of these movies, uh, this this showcase of Joseph Kaczynski, um, if you will, um it really is is not only a reflection of his talents as a filmmaker and of course the talents of the, these things, it takes a village really to make a movie. And a lot of people, you know, are involved. Like when you, when you see those credits roll by, it's like, it's not just like a wall of credits. It's people's names. They put their blood, sweat and tears. Movies have production babies listed on them. (laughs) Like this is a part of somebody's life. Right. But also, These two movies show um, present to us the trend of the 2010s and the 2020s in regards to franchises, in regards to um, legacies, the, the legacy sequels, and how to handle how to handle those franchises. One very much is a cult is a cult franchise. The other one being of it doesn't get much more mainstream than that. The only more mainstream thing would be like a Marvel movie, you know. Yeah, but I would probably watch this over.
1: M- a good percentage of marvel movies admittedly yeah me too um me too it is an interesting question for you mm. when you were um this is maybe like a stupid question i don't know but if when watching top gun legacy and then watching top gun or uh, top gun Legacy, when watching tron legacy and watching top gun maverick could you have in any way suspected that they would have been made by the same person no it just it's that's sort of the crazy thing about it is that it does feel so different but i also feel like maybe that's something that's something to say about joseph kaczynski is that he's able to change things up because there's definitely like like camera wise and maybe a few things that feel like a joseph kaczynski movie Mm -hmm. um like especially like his love of like uh, like close-up shots and background blurs and sort of like reveals through blur, sort of thing. Like, there's definitely some yeah small little things here and there that you can notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, symmetry I think is a big thing for him as well. Um, similar to like you know people like Wes Anderson. You know, I think he's he he loves symmetry. Um, but it is like you watch these two movies and they couldn't be more different, and yet they're made by the same guy. And I think
0: that's pretty crazy, but it like is. in a good way. It is. <sighs> I think this was a great um, a great pick to do for our 99th episode.
1: We've done some way too many.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. I
1: I I'm more than happy that we've done so many. I I'm, I'm just glad that we're like this much closer to a triple digits.
0: Yeah. Oof, man, that's that's just wild. Um, I'm glad we talked about uh, the Tron franchise and um the Top Gun f- franchise at this this great a length um mm-hmm. you know and I'm very This excited. is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, eh, not not as much as other one you know it's it, well I mean just the fact that it's like
1: the first episode and this episode feel like oh, together they feel like yeah
0: it, it kind of does and I still got to edit the rest of the other one
1: um <laughs> I know <laughs> Anyway, but here's, uh, here's no, I, yeah. I have one more question for you. Sure. Would you have thought after say the first five or 10 episodes of doing the show that we would have gotten this far? Hell no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought maybe 10, like I thought maybe like 20 would be like the, the absolute max. Um, you know, cause, cause like I said, we've had, we've had other attempts at things and they, they, you know, they peter out and, uh, this one, yeah. this one the, is, is chugging along uh, pretty nicely. And and,
1: and whatever y- your individual next project is, which I do know what it is, but I don't want to spoil it, but whatever your new project is, because I don't know, um, <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best of luck, and I might show up at some point. Who knows? <laughs>
0: I think it's more than likely <laughs> that you will. <laughs> I, do,
1: I do know the answer to that question,
0: too, but I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> 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 but there might be other people. Ah! <laughs> so, uh folks, it's going to probably wrap it up for this week's episode of Two dudes one double feature. What 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 are you Did you
1: see these movies?
0: You probably you probably saw Top Gun. You probably Have you did.
1: seen When's the last time you watched a Tron movie?
0: Yes. Yes. Are you when's, excited when's... are you excited for for Tron uh Light Cycle Run to finally open up at Disney World after years of waiting? Yes.
1: Yes, I am. Yes.
0: Um let us know Facebook yes. Facebook Twitter Instagram It's got to wrap, wrap ride, it up. What?
1: I want it now. Uh, I want the ride right well, now.
0: Well, we can't get it to you next week, but we can get you the next episode <laughs> of Two Dudes One Double Feature <laughs> next week.
1: Have a good night everyone.
0: Captain Pete